Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. It's my joy to welcome you to episode 137 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I am grateful that we are sharing this time and conversation together today. Hey, we've just wrapped up five conversations on love at work, and I appreciate the serendipity of how those conversations unfolded, and I loved each and every one of those conversations, as well as the conversations we had about those conversations. Well, speaking of serendipity, we recently wrapped up our first Get Inspired Challenge, and well, that was inspiring. I was inspired in so many different ways, both in the weeks leading up to it and the two weeks of the challenge. There's a backstory to today's episode that involves serendipity and inspiration. I'll share that in a moment. Before we do that, let's pause and let's ground our time together in gratitude as we normally do here. So in this present moment of this day, whenever it is that you're listening, I invite you to simply pause and ponder what is something you're grateful for now? Hey, I'll go first. I've got the microphone. Since I've used the word a couple of times already, I'll say I'm grateful for serendipity. Now, maybe you're like me and years ago wondered, what is serendipity? Webster defines serendipity as the faculty or the phenomenon of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. Isn't that amazing? Favorable events or relationships or circumstances manifesting, appearing in your life and on your path. It's part of what we call living an inspired life, following the inspired path, doing inspired work. Voila! Is it possible that the amount of serendipitous events doesn't change, that they're always there, that it's me or it's you who have changed and that there are times we are more attuned to all of those serendipitous events around us. And then there are times that we're not aware that we're swimming in a sea of serendipity. Hey, I'm grateful for serendipity and wondering about you. I'm also grateful for connections and conversations. I mention this a lot. I've been encouraged to share more of these that just come real life organically. So I want to talk about a few conversations and connections that happen with you, listeners, just like you, or that happen through you because a listener like you introduces me to somebody. So here are a couple of conversations from the last week alone. Claire Bowden from Ireland. Wow, what a delightful conversation that was that happened as a result of Claire stumbling onto this podcast, beginning to listen, and then reaching out through a mutual friend, Melissa Hughes, and us getting connected and just having a rich, deep conversation together in the last week. Thank you, Claire. Look forward to more of those. I guess this has been San Diego week. Day before yesterday, I chatted with Brooke Errol, and you may remember her from an earlier podcast back when we were doing the Humans First series. About this time last year, Brooke joined me on the podcast. 
And then yesterday, I had a conversation and a new connection with Larry Kesslin, with whom I was connected and introduced by Haas Siddiqui, and found out, talking to Larry, that he's also a friend of Moshe's, and Moshe is the guest on last week's podcast. So all of these are San Diego people. Both Brooke and Larry are purveyors of purpose, and Larry and I had this delightful conversation about the joy of connection. And then, as I was thinking about it, there was another conversation just yesterday with Paul Hari from Seattle. And that time together, even though it was our first time connecting in conversation like that, it seemed like catching up with an old friend. So, as always, I'm grateful for relationships. Now, let's shift the gears and let's move into today's conversation, where it's just us connecting and conversing. I want to talk about the path to this conversation. I started thinking recently that it's at least 12 years in the making. You know, in reality, it's been many more, like a lifetime. And I mean that in the truest way possible. And I believe that is as true and as applicable for you as it is for me. We are shaped and formed by all of our experiences, even the ones we didn't choose and those that we would prefer to forget. They all make us who we are today. So when I say 12 years, it truly is. And this path that I'm leading to today's conversation connects to my interest and focus on servant leadership, which really began some 30 years ago. But 12 years ago, it ratcheted up several notches when I enrolled in grad school at Gonzaga, and that was back in 2008. So in the 12 years since, I have seriously, literally had hundreds, possibly even a thousand or more conversations with individuals and groups exploring servant leadership. And as I paused at various inflection points or reflection points along that journey, I started noticing some things. And I want to pull those forward into today's conversation. Actually, I started asking myself questions, and I asked these questions of others as well. And I want to use two of these to frame this conversation today. And if you don't know this about me, and I bet you probably do, but you know, I love great questions, and I really enjoy sitting with questions for a long period of time. And some of you are saying, yeah, like 12 years you've been sitting with these questions. Sometime back, I found this quotation from Jonas Salk, and he noted that what people think of as the moment of discovery is really the discovery of the question. So questions lead us to discoveries. Here's the first that I came across as a result of working with dozens of companies who were exploring servant leadership through the years. These were companies from all around the world and in all kinds of industries of all shapes and sizes. Some of these are multinational companies who, if I mention their names, you would recognize them because they are household brands and names indeed. And then there are others who were privately held, fast-growing, small companies with fewer than 50 employees that you may have never heard of. The first question that popped in my mind while working with these companies was, if servant leadership is the answer, what is the question they're asking? Put another way, if servant leadership is the solution, what is the problem this organization has? 
Now, granted, there's some individuals and organizations who are drawn to servant leadership for its virtues, but many more were drawn or are drawn to servant leadership because of its value as a solution to a real problem. In other words, real-world results to real-life challenges. Servant leadership is practical, not simply theoretical. For example, here are a couple of those. How do we lead in a way that is congruent with our values? How do we lead in ways that bring out the best in our people rather than stifling their innovation and creativity? Now, I'm going to tie that question to purpose in just a few moments. The second question that has stayed with me for 12 plus years now is seeking to understand who these people were and these organizations that were interested in servant leadership. What is it or what was it about them that attracted them to servant leadership? And as I reflected on that, I noticed there were these three two-word pairings that often came up. These people or organizations either characterize themselves as purpose-driven, values-based, or people-focused. And they were attracted to servant leadership because they felt it helped them move more rapidly towards the purpose that was motivating them in the world. Servant leadership aligned with their values that they wanted to see come to life in the world. Or it was they were wanting to take better care of their people and focus first and foremost on their people rather than profits or process. So those were these word pairings. Now, anytime I hear those phrases or some variation of those phrases, my ears perk up. It's not that you have to use the exact phrase, but just when that's the meaning that I hear someone trying to articulate, it captures my attention and I lean in to listen more. Now, remember, I'm reflecting on the path that led me to where I am and what I'm about to share with you today here in 2020. So that started 12 years ago, five years ago. And I vividly remember that bright and beautiful spring Sunday morning, just about five years ago now, sitting under an enormous oak tree in Cartersville, Georgia, to give you the exact location and how vivid that is in my mind. And once again, I was there at about an hour and I was sitting there reflecting and I realized how many similarities I noticed between these organizations that I had encountered through servant leadership work with the work that I'd begun doing under the banner of purpose. And I recognized those similarities were striking. So then fast forward to early last summer. I was in a deep business conversation with my friend Tim Parkin. He was asking me some questions about the value of purpose in business and the challenges that I saw owners and leaders having tapping into the power of purpose and why I thought that was. And then Tim pushed me a little further. What could be done to help them? And so I shared these insights I'd developed over the last 12 years. That conversation led me to identify the shortcomings and problems people and organizations have with purpose. And there are plenty of those, and they're easy to spot. As a matter of fact, back in July of last year, I explored seven problems with purpose in episode 103. That episode in the show notes. After that, I just continued to think and talk about the framework in plenty of conversations, 
but I never wrote about it again, never did anything with it. Then back where I started this conversation day a few weeks ago as Debbie Lachusa and I were putting the finishing touches on the Get Inspired Challenge, inspiration arrived. Isn't that interesting? We're working on a Get Inspired Challenge and inspiration arrives. I love it. I returned to the framework and I revisited it with fresh eyes and a different new perspective. I even roughed out a drawing. That's what was missing back last summer. I roughed out a drawing and invited the help of a friend, Maria Golkan, to bring the drawing to life. So we did that on a Tuesday. The following morning, I was up early. I mean, like 4, 4.30 in the morning. And at 6 a.m., I was inspired, perhaps even a bit compelled, to add the document that I had developed the day before. It was just a rough document to add it to my LinkedIn profile. I thought, that's weird. So I did. Eight o'clock that morning, my time, East Coast time, U.S., I was on a call with a couple of people from Switzerland, and 10 or 15 minutes into the conversation, one of them started asking questions, and all of a sudden, I just erupted into a smile, almost laughter, because I knew those questions had to come from the document that I'd posted at 6 a.m. that morning. And when I asked what was leading those questions, one of the people on the call said, I visited your profile on LinkedIn, grabbed this article about 30 minutes before our conversation, and it really connected some dots for me. So we proceeded to talk and go deeper into the framework and actually help them develop the outline for a retreat that was coming up to fill out the framework for their organization that is all about purpose. Well, later that day, I felt inspired again to publish that as a post, and now I'm sharing that framework with you. I'm not sharing it as the answer, but it is my freshest thinking about releasing the power of purpose inside organizations, your organization, in hopes that it's helpful to you. And I don't even have a formal name for this. Right now, I'm just calling it the PCL framework because those are the three letters of the three circles I use, PCL, or unleashing the power of purpose. Oh, maybe one of you will come up with a really creative name. Now, I believe purpose is powerful, and I believe you believe that as well. It is a profoundly powerful force in business, leadership, and life. It's a force that we're not yet tapping into at the levels that are possible for us. Just yesterday, I was reminded of how early we are on this quest of purpose. It's the early adopters who are welcoming these conversations and pioneering many of these innovative approaches to enhance meaning and value for everyone in their organization. After all, it's only a little over six months ago now that the Business Roundtable, if you're not familiar with them, they're one of the most influential business organizations in the United States. It's comprised of 200 plus CEOs from some of the largest companies in the world. So last August, they took out a full page ad in the Wall Street Journal to part ways with profitability as king and stake out a more purposeful approach to business. So I want to dig into this this framework with you. And we'll include a visual in the show notes. I'll describe it to you here so you can follow along as we're talking about it. So think of it as a Venn diagram consisting of three interlocking circles. 
And in this case, in my version of the diagram, one circle is on the bottom and two circles sit atop that circle and all three intersect. The bottom circle sits there for a reason because it's purpose and that's where we'll begin. You see, I believe that purpose is the starting point. It's the foundation of purpose-powered business naturally, right? And when you are clear about your purpose, it serves both as the starting point as well as the direction and the destination for your organization. And when done well, purpose permeates all facets of your business and it unites all departments and initiatives into a symphonic endeavor. Purpose, I love to think of it as the French said, as your raison d'etre, your reason for being. You see, purpose, when it's maximized or when it's unleashed and in full power, purpose is operating both at an organizational level of power and at a personal level of power. In the best of purpose-powered businesses, there is this overlap or this intersection between what the company seeks to do as an organization and the dreams and the aspirations of all who are involved in the enterprise. In organizations like that, there is this clear belief that we are in this together. I believe the embrace of purpose inside of an organization, a business, or a team will produce results, dramatic results. The results are the outcome of embracing purpose, not the motivation for it. And that goes back to the same question I started with earlier about servant leadership that still rings in my mind about purpose. If purpose is the solution, what's the question people are asking? Are you genuinely interested in and committed to the path of purpose or simply hoping that purpose is the hack they need to achieve a result they desire? My hope is that it's genuine interest and the belief that work should be meaningful for us all. Let me illustrate. Companies that help employees identify and establish a connection between their job, their personal purpose in that job, and the company's purpose, research shows that these people are more engaged less absent from work, and more apt to give discretionary effort to the organization. Indeed they are. Of course they are. But to help employees make that connection solely to increase an engagement score or reduce absenteeism, that just strikes me as totally disingenuous. So that's the P in our first circle in this three-circle diagram. The second circle, which is above and slightly to the left of the purpose circle, is the C, culture. My favorite description of culture is simply how we do things here. You see, every organization has a culture. In most organizations, culture happens by default. It's just the way things have evolved. It's the way we've always done it, and it becomes the way we continue to do it. In mediocre organizations, people rarely challenge the status quo. Purpose-powered businesses, they design their culture, and their culture is anchored in a rich set of values. 
values and beliefs. And for best results, it's recommended that you adopt a short list of rank-ordered values. So these are hierarchical, which your most important value followed by your second most important value. So when it comes time to make decisions, people know where to start and what's the flow of the values. These values aren't just words painted on the walls of an organization, but they're lived out in the halls on a regular basis. And they're not just words or abstract concepts. They're rich and robust statements that explain what these values mean to us here and how they operate in action in our organization, how we bring them to life in all of our interactions. Companies that are committed to their values and serious about their values use their values as guidance and guardrails for every decision in the organization. Now, if you're serious about your values, you talk about them regularly, and more important, you'll walk them daily. That's culture. We've talked about the second circle, culture, up and to the left over the foundational circle, purpose. The third circle is leadership. Leadership. PCL, purpose, culture, leadership. Purpose-powered businesses recognize that leadership is a function. It's not a position. And these leaders recognize that everyone in the organization is a leader and that all leadership starts with self-leadership. Therefore, leadership is encouraged at every level in the organization rather than being concentrated at the top. In companies with robust culture and values or cultures based on values, leaders seek to equip every employee to use the company values to make decisions, wise decisions. Then the best leaders liberate employees to think for themselves and make decisions for themselves and the business rather than trying to make every decision that needs to be made. To some degree, every purpose-powered leader is a coach seeking to encourage everyone on the team to live out the company values and use the values combined with data to make wise and prudent decisions. For these leaders, leadership development develops the leadership capacity and potential of all leaders at every level. So there's a quick overview of PCL, Purpose, Culture, and Leadership. Now, let's be honest. It's a journey. This is a journey we're all learning. Many of us are making steps as well as missteps along the way. There are plenty of organizations that are gung-ho about purpose and do a lot of work on purpose developing purpose statements, maybe even launching a campaign. And oftentimes those campaigns include more messaging about purpose than manifesting purpose in your interactions. When that happens, and I talk about that in the Seven Problems of Purpose podcast, people are jaded. So to make a difference, you need to pair your purpose with action, both around culture and leadership. So let's look, and this is something else you can see in the diagram. I look at what happens if an organization is strong in two of these circles, but not all three. Purpose, 
and culture but lack leadership, you may have a high degree of what I call devotion to the purpose, perhaps even sentimentality about your cause, but not as much movement or not as purposeful movement towards your result and outcomes as you'd like. Sometimes you would see this in nonprofit organizations, right? There's a lot of passion and devotion to the mission and purpose. Well, if you have purpose and leadership, but you haven't been intentional in creating a strong culture, you may have a high sense of drive. As you are passionate about the pursuit of purpose, even if it comes at the expense of your people because you've not articulated the values and developed a healthy culture around your people. Likewise, if you have high levels of leadership and a strong culture, but it's not grounded to purpose, you and your people may be dutifully engaged, right? So there may be this sense of duty, but it may be adrift because it's not anchored in purpose. So the winning trifecta, just like the winning trifecta for me, is finding organizations that are purpose-driven, people-focused, and values-based. When you have purpose, culture, and leadership, I label that intersection destiny. That's where people are flourishing and results are happening. It's what I believe is the true benefit of purpose-powered business. It's the beauty of purpose-powered business. And it's what I want to see more of in this world. And it's what I'm looking to accomplish with leaders and companies who know this is your destiny and you're on this journey. So if that's you, I'd love to hear your story so we can share your story with others that are on that journey to inspire them. And if you're also on this path and yet you're struggling with one or more of these facets of purpose-powered business, purpose, culture, or leadership, I want to work with you to help shape your story and come alongside you as a guide to help you on that journey. If that's you, any of these are you, and you think we should connect in conversation, let me tell you how you can do that. You can email me, kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com, or you can call or text me 678-744-5111. Hey, I've enjoyed this opportunity to connect with you and talk about business that is purpose-powered, business that is thriving in purpose, culture, and leadership. I hope that's you, and I hope if you're an employee of an organization that you're able to work with an organization where these practices are coming to life every day. This is what I believe the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life looks like. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being a difference maker. And until we connect again, keep making a difference in someone's life. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.